All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the ATP Performance Podcast. Coach Joe here, along with Coach James. We want to wish you guys a happy new year. First of all, first episode you guys will be seeing in the in the new year here. Also, happy holidays for anyone who's celebrating holidays recently. Today, we are going to get into a good topic and give you two different perspectives on the topic, and that is going to be kind of balancing both lifting and cardio and really finding the balance when it comes to overall fitness, um, as well as whether you're a bodybuilding competitor or a physique competitor or some sort of um, a natural competitor of, of any kind, as well as if you were trying to become more so a hybrid athlete. Um, so kind of giving you all three perspectives, whether it's general fitness, kind of pushing one extreme or the other, and then breaking down a little bit more about how we can do that in an effective manner. So if we want to kind of maybe get started, James, with just breaking things down where you, from your perspective, how do you strike a balance when it comes to your clients um, overall health and fitness wise? when it comes to cardio and, and the lifting side of things, because most people would know generally that, you know, we do need a little bit of both to, to get the benefits from each of them f from an overall health mm -hmm. perspective. But where does that balance lie typically when you're talking to someone just from the general population side of things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think a lot of it comes down to what their like overall activity levels are just in general daily life anyway. Right. So the individual that works, I don't know, I think, a catering job or is a manual laborer or someone who's racking up like 10, 12, 15,000 steps as is, is going to be a different recommendation than the individual that sits at a desk all day, right? So for that really sedentary individual, it might be as simple as just, I want you to get up from the desk a couple times a day and walk around or do a 10 minute walk on your lunch break, right? And just start to increase a little bit of step activity because we've seen from the studies that have come out, like an increase in I think it's 1,000 steps on average from your baseline decreases all-cause mortality by 10%, meaning like your risk of dying from literally anything will go down simply by going for a walk, which is pretty phenomenal, right? Like that's really protective, that's easy, that's low-hanging fruit. So for general population, that's a great place to start. For the individual that is very, very active and does have other aerobic goals, then you have to look at like traditional cardio, whether that's going for a run, a dedicated walk rather than just steps, uh, you know, cycling, whatever it is. And that can be dependent on their goal or their preference really is what it is. Um, now, general population, we know that you want some level of aerobic capacity for heart health, lung health, the, the studies that I pointed out before, but it does differ when it comes to bodybuilding. And I know that's something we'll dive into. So I'll kind of, I'll let you guide the conversation. And when we get there, we'll dive in deep. Yeah, no, so th that's that's perfect. And so I guess maybe if, if we want to break that down, I mentioned it already a little bit. What would you kind of explain? So when it comes to lifting, a lot of people know, obviously, you're going to be building muscle. That's going to be obviously a big component and why many people are lifting. Um, but even beyond that, there's benefits of like bone density increasing, which if you're not familiar, that's definitely just going to make your bones stronger, especially as you're aging and our aging population. Obviously, bone breaks are a big concern. So, you know, we want to get ahead of that where we're not having to kind of make up ground later in life. So those are some big benefits. And then cardio wise, right? Cardiovascular health, it's going to really have a, a big impact there. Um, just overall mental health can have a big component there. What is, is there anything else you would add to that, James, that I'm missing when it comes to the, the kind of the physiological benefits health-wise mm -hmm. from, from either of those? Um, if you want to get into that a little bit from your perspective too. Yeah. I mean, aerobics, especially low intensity aerobics over a chronic period of time are hugely beneficial for reducing blood pressure, 
and reducing resting heart rate, right? Because you're training your heart as the muscle that it is to be more efficient at what it needs to do, which is pump the blood, right? So if you're not training it, it's becoming detrained, not necessarily atrophying, but that's where you can see like increased or, or elevated heart rate, elevated blood pressure, um, you know, as well as the benefit of, and this is on both fronts, um, higher intensity aerobic or higher intensity interval training, resistance training, decreasing your blood lipids and your cholesterol and things of that nature, right? So any one of those blood factors tends to be improved when you are more active, more aerobically trained or more resistance trained, so long as there's a balance there. Yeah. And like you mentioned before, with just walking for, as the example you used, any of those things, if you're doing anything that that's improving the baseline from where you're at, you're going to increase those health markers. And like you mentioned, just all reduce all cause mortality, which is like you said, just basically any dying of anything, like you said, um, which is, is huge. And that just shows you where, you know, we'll get into specifics today and all these details, but for most people, it's like doing something is always going to be better than nothing for sure. Um, mm -hmm. it's, obviously it's a very general statement, but it is true where if you're not walking even right now, that's going to have a, a big impact. It might be a great place to start. Um, and it's also a good tool to use even for someone who is, you know, maybe more advanced and really, really on top of things. So, um, there's a place for everything, which is what we'll, what we'll get into today. So now we've kind of broken that down a little bit, you know, most people, can kind of make a case and they understand even if they're not doing it that there's a place for both of those so now maybe let's get into the ideal frequency for each of those let's get into the bodybuilding side of it or if you're focused mainly on lifting james how how would you kind of break that down you know for someone in general um you know if they're focused mainly on lifting but they're like i, I still want to be healthy you know how do i reduce that where, where does that lie for you typically when you break that down for yourself or mm -hmm. someone that you're working with yeah, so still kind of leaning towards that general population, but now more in like the fitness involved general population, I would say that you would probably want to train both energy systems or at least like both emphasis of aerobics, right? So maybe that looks at like each weekend you go for some long walk or a long hike, you get outside and you just go for 45 minutes plus, right? Steady state, low intensity, you just get out there and you do something for a long period of time. And then you match that because we know we want to get some probably some spikes in the in the heart rate as well into those higher, you know, intensities, if you will, maybe you do intervals on the rower or cycling or, you know, some sort of high intensity aerobic midweek, that's a shorter interval. And then at least you have two sessions. We know we're probably doing other activities throughout the week, we're including our resistance training and the total like number of minutes that are aerobically training us. So you're trying to hit those AHA, AHA, see if I can say that, American Heart Association numbers, which is 75 minutes of high intensity to moderate or 150 minutes of low intensity aerobics a week. And you can get that relatively easy if you're doing a 15 minute, 20 minute hit session and you're doing a hour long walk outside plus all your lifting and things like that, right? So I start with two for most people in the general population. When we get to the bodybuilding clients, it's very much specific on the phase that they're in and kind of what the goal is. Yeah. And that's something we can definitely get into because even for someone like me, there was a time, especially when I was really focused on building muscle where there, the, the cardio was definitely hampering that where it actually, you know, that, like you said, just energy expenditure, just how it was fitting into what phase I was in currently, it was almost counterproductive um, at, a, at a tipping point, essentially. And that, like you said, kind of comes down to those goals that you have and then fitting those two around it with 
the health in mind in general. Um, but yeah, no, I completely agree. And that's usually the, the figure I use for general population. When I break it down for people, I say, you know, 150 minutes of exercise, right? And then it's like, from there, I break it down because um, people often be like, well, how much cardio? And I usually typically say between 60 to 90 minutes um, uh, broken down throughout the week um, and in whatever way you want. Um, and I usually say, if you're like leaning towards that 90 minutes, it's going to be maybe a little bit more of a moderate intensity. Um, and then you can kind of, you know, bump that more closer to the 60 if you're throwing in more of that hit, like you're saying, or a combination of of both. But um, but yeah, but that intensity really is relative. I, I often base it off of experience, you know, where someone's kind of coming from um, at that entry level, right? I'm not going to maybe throw them into hit if they're just like not doing anything right now. Maybe walking would be great. Like you kind of you mentioned. Um, but, but it's, yeah, it definitely is one of those things where it really depends, but those are the kind of the standards. And then for the, that 60 to 90 minutes, I often say then the remainder of that is going to be where your lifting comes from, you know, and then any benefits, you know, adding some walking on top of that. Um, and for me, even it's mostly, I, I often recommend, um, cause many people might be wondering when, when we're talking about that cardiovascular training, what modality we're talking about, or, you know, whether it's running or hiking or, you know, and I often say, whatever you're going to do really is, mm -hmm. is the biggest, especially unless, unless there's some goal that is related to a specific thing, you have a bike race or you have, you know, a, a mountain bike race or, you know, a, something specific or a run, you know, running race. Um, we're going to want to be specific to that event for sure. But if there isn't, you're going to want to do what's sustainable. And that's that's the biggest thing. I know uh, you back in the day when when you were playing soccer, I know we've talked about that before on the podcast where sometimes, you know, you're doing cardio and you don't enjoy it. But, some, you know, it can flip the script sometimes, you know, but it but that's why it's so important, especially if you don't have to do it for a sport or something. Um, you don't want to create a bad relationship with it, which sometimes sports, you know, have done in the past, I think. Uh, I can definitely relate to there as well. The flashbacks to wrestling, right? Uh, just getting getting yeah. abused for for cardio training we're doing. But but anyways, I digress. So I think that that's that's a good kind of baseline for things. Um, and maybe we'll get into it a little bit um, on on the the hybrid side of things and kind of if you were pushing the cardio side of things. Um, and and we'll also get into the bodybuilding. So maybe we'll start with with your side. So if you were working with someone, James, who is really focused on bodybuilding and that's their main goal. Like kind of I was mentioning, where would be a time where maybe you're reducing that cardio um, and you're still obviously keeping health in mind, but maybe where you're implementing more of the walking side of things, how does that kind of break down for someone who's, who's maybe in that phase? I know actually one of your clients is, is in a similar phase right now, at least was um, really focused on massing and, and bulking up. Um, so how would you break that down and, and what does that look like in kind of in those those different seasons? Yeah. Yeah. So the bodybuilder that does too much cardio is kind of a unicorn, but I have run into a couple clients and you're referencing one of them where very high step count just habitually um, enjoys going to the gym on a certain day of the week to do dedicated mobility and cardio because it's kind of like a networking time for her, uh, just like a self care time for her. So that's something we didn't want to pull away, but that's a long session, 30 to 45 minutes on top of a high step count on top of doing walks with the family and other just habitual things that may not necessarily be the best for bodybuilding. So it was a, a focus of ours to maintain the balance that she had built for the family needs, the psychological needs, all those things, the habitual needs, but tapering it back to a point where we could actually gain weight because that was the phase we were in. We really needed to gain a lot of mass over the last year. 
So it was, all right, I'm putting a cap on the number of steps. I want you to be very intentional about not going over 10,000 steps because her steps were 15, 16, 17,000 very easily. On top of that, we're making that 30 or that 45 minute session only 30 minutes in the gym. And then we're still going to do our walks with our family because that's more important than, you know, our other goals. And what that does is it provides, we are running into digestion issues because we are having to push the food so high to gain weight and just, she eats a very clean, very healthy palate. So the fiber was creeping up more and more and more and more, and then we're just getting GI distress. So it's a matter of, we have to find a way to be able to gain weight on less calories. What do you do? You become slightly more sedentary. So that that's, and that's a, an odd case study, but it is something that some individuals might run into more often than not. What I'm doing is I will build a certain baseline of cardio in the off season, just to help with a general dynamic warmup, because we know that our warmups don't have to be very specific. So maybe it's just five to 10 minutes on the treadmill just to get the blood flowing, move that kind of thing. And just to help with, um, I know in the business realm, they use the term churn for the number of like new clients in, new clients out. Well, there is a, like an energy flux that they talk about and some of the evidence that isn't really ironed out yet, where it's the more expenditure we have, the more we bring in, the more we burn, you have this like flux that's constant. There's a lot of energy coming in and out of the system and it's potentially more beneficial for hormonal regulation rather than when you get low energy flux where you're very sedentary, you're not bringing in a lot of calories, there's not a lot of change, you're very stagnant, it could potentially cause some hormonal irregularities, right? So you want some sort of flux. We want a lot of food coming in, but we also probably want to burn a decent amount, even in the off season when we're trying to gain weight to help drive some of those hormonal markers. So I don't ever go completely away from cardio. Um, for most people, some people their just schedule doesn't allow for it. I like to keep a baseline but I will taper that baseline as we get towards a phase where we're pre-prep pretty much, because I want to reduce as many variables as possible before prep. I want them to be sedentary because then any activity we add in is going to help with that deficit. And we know towards the tail end of a prep, we're scratching and clawing to create more of a deficit by any way we can. So if someone starts doing three cardio sessions a week with low calories, doesn't give me much to work with because we can only go lower calorie or higher expenditure from that baseline, right? So pre-prep is the time to be sedentary very intentionally, but it comes in waves, right? We might spike the cardio in the off season for those hormonal reasons we talked about and taper it back down before prep. And then obviously in prep at some point, the activity has to go up or the calories have to go down or a combination of the two. Yeah. And, and well, and it sounds like essentially, the, especially during the off season, you know, it's especially with your client, for example, if you're hitting those baselines where you're not winded or, you know, during your sets, for example, is what I'm talking about, you know, sort on leg day, you're not like, you know, it's not like limiting your workouts, uh, your cardiovascular endurance, that is, then I think there is a place where you kind of will need to maybe taper back in those certain situations. But I've actually had the flip side, like you mentioned too, um, from a hunger standpoint where sometimes I would wake up and do a little bit of, of cardio, even before I was doing, you know, any hybrid trainer focusing on actually, um, any cardio goals. Um, 
and it would help me with my hunger throughout the day. It would actually kind of, like you mentioned, kind of kickstart the hunger a little bit um, and then make me eat a little bit more easily throughout the day, the necessary calories that I was shooting for. So it was kind of, you know, that twofold where it's like, but I obviously didn't want to do too intensive cardio because it's then going to be too much of a calorie spike where I'm actually making, you know, then I just have to eat more anyway. So it's like, you know, where's the fine line and where's that tipping point essentially. Um, but I think that's really interesting because like you mentioned, a bodybuilder might come to you and be like, okay, what's the minimum amount of cardio I can get away with, right? You know, and it's kind of funny because a lot of times with like the running community or cardiovascular community, whether it's cyclists, runners, um, it will be the opposite, right? It's like how much mm -hmm. lifting or how minimal lifting can I get away with? And I would say, you know, and I kind of going back to those those goals, um, as far as weekly goals, if it's like that 60 to 90 minutes for aerobic training, um, I always like to say, you know, the minimum or standard would be two to three or really one to three. Um, you know, one is, is great if you're not doing anything. So between one to three, like full body sessions, I like to say, especially for a runner. And I like to kind of frame it as it's really for, you know, you strengthening yourself for the act, the act of running or act of cycling or whatever you're doing. Um, because a lot of times the buy-in for someone who doesn't like lifting has to be that right it literally it has to be something that they're going to get out of it in that sport that they're doing aside from it which i was there too you know that's actually how i got into lifting i wanted to be better at football football so you know it's 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 interesting but then you know it, it, then you can kind of frame it as those other things too we were mentioning health-wise right where it's like well you're also especially for a runner you're going to get better bone density. That's going to be huge, right? Especially as you age, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to, you're going to just be stronger, right? You're going to have a better, more powerful stride. Um, you know, there's, there's, also, there's so many benefits um, and, and I don't want to get into that too, too much, but as far as structuring it, um, the other thing that comes into component for them, and it's probably the same for you, but just flipped um, how can we structure the strength days to not impact the running days? And I'm sure it's the same for you, but it's the opposite, right? It's how can we implement this cardio, but not impact, right? Our leg day, right? Cause we're doing, you know, a run, like, you know, we don't, we don't want to double those up. And that's where it's kind of funny. Cause we'll, I'll get into it a little bit more, but like, for instance, when you're trying to do both, when you're trying to really, you know, just get as strong as you can or build as much muscle as you can and really excel in that cardio as well, um, sometimes actually, you know, which sounds super counterintuitive, you do actually do them both on the same day um, and mm -hmm. kind of actually put that fatigue, um, both of those huge um, spikes in fatigue on the same day. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit more uh, a little bit later, but um, it's interesting how that can work. But but for mainly those those situations where it's the extreme of both, um, it's then how can we structure things out just to really fit around that person um, and then and then really fit around their goals. Um, and, and like I said, we'll kind of get into that where we're really if we're really pushing that running um, or, or whatever form of cardio that is, you have to kind of find that balance for yourself um, with with the with the, um, the lifting where sometimes that might come down to just maybe one session kind of the same as you, but just flipped essentially um so yeah it, and it's before we move on that too much i mean you, you brought it up a couple times the bone density and all that stuff to help with running bodybuilders have a terrible habit of thinking that cardio is only for weight loss or weight change right which is absolutely false right like there burn, are benefits right? yeah 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 it's just about calories well i mean think about a high rep set or a cluster set drop set all those things where you have metabolite buildup you're gassed if you're aerobically trained, you're going to be able to do more volume, which means you're going to get more gains, right? So when you start getting into those higher rep sets, longer duration uh, sessions, 
right? You start getting those like two hour sessions where you're just fatigued. Your, your, your aerobic training is going to help with that as well, right? So it's not to overlook that aspect as well. So having some baseline is beneficial for that. And you'll notice it, like, especially your big compound movements, right? You try and do high rep deadlifts or high rep squats. You're going to be limited probably by your lungs before your legs, if you're well-trained. So train the lungs, right? Because that's going to allow you to do more over time, which will mean more gains, more strength over time. Exactly. Like if that becomes your limiting factor, like that is a problem, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. and if you don't want to be honest about that, then you're really, you really don't maybe care about that goal as much as you think you do, because that will really, that, that will help your goal in this, in this, and it doesn't mean you got to go train for a marathon, but it's like maybe a little bit, you know, and, and if you're hitting that mark, well then, you know, you're fine. Like, like in this case, then you can kind of implement that based on that goal, but it's like, you know, don't lose like sight of what is actually going to help you by just mm-hmm. ignoring what you don't like. Right. <laughs> I think that's, mm-hmm. and, and that's can be true for anyone, you know, or for anything in life. I think, unfortunately we can often benefit from that situation, um, a, a lot, um, I, I think for sure. And so I kind of alluded to it, um, and we kind of discussed it, right. So like the baseline of someone's just wanting to kind of, and, and that's actually what I've been doing for a while, especially since I got done with marathon training, just kind of riding those baselines of both, right. Where it's, 60 to 90 minutes of cardio broken down however I wanted throughout the week. And for people listening, whatever your schedule allows, right? So if it's bigger sessions, great. Smaller sessions, great. Um, just hit that mark. Um, obviously, there's optimal, you know, that we can get into, but it's really going to be based on your life. That's what's going to be the most optimal or the most ideal. Um, and then breaking those sessions down from there as far as lifting, right? So one to three sessions. Um, and that's kind of that baseline I like to work off of and operate from. So James, if you were someone, you know, we'll get into the cardio side if you want to increase that, but if you want to maybe increase the lifting from that baseline, um, we have our full podcast that we just released about training programs and kind of gets into that a little bit, but you know, from there, um, you know, where are they going with, with the lifting side of things? Um, you know, typically if they were looking to increase things and what are you considering, um, if someone was kind of, you know, to, to have that broken down for them essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the split selection, like I'd say first, I'd say like, go listen to that podcast we talked about because sure. we cover a lot of this, the split split selection is largely dependent on training frequency. I want to make sure that the muscle is stimulated more often than not two times a week for someone who wants to take bodybuilding very seriously. And then from there, it's a matter of what days do I have available to train? Because I can come up with any sort of split managing body part fatigue, local fatigue, depending on what their availability is. If someone says, I can't work out on Wednesday, but I can work out any other day, they're probably going to do, if my, my bias is like a four-day split, I feel like it gives people a good amount of flexibility. Guess what? We can do Monday, Tuesday, upper, lower, rest Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, upper, lower, rest Saturday, Sunday, right? So they get three rest days or flex days where if, oh man, I can't work out on Friday, now I work out on Saturday, I still have my rest day. Right. So it doesn't put so much in their schedule where it's inconceivable to finish. It also gives days for cardio. Um, if it's possible, if someone's going to do a long bout, right, we're talking that like 45 minutes plus of low intensity, I would prefer for it to be on a non training day, preferably not before a lower body day, which again, and you can see like, man, you got to move a lot of puzzle pieces around to make this happen. But I do also fall into the same thought process as you of if it's not possible to space things the way that I want, 
I would very much rather have their aerobic training on the same day that they're training their lower body because it's one large spike in fatigue rather than a moderately intense spike in fatigue and then another one with a cardio and then rest. But then guess what? Your next day is lower body training again. So your legs don't ever fully recover and you're just kind of whittling yourself down. Now, within that day, I want their cardio, and this might be the exact opposite for you as a runner, for a bodybuilder, your training is the main focus and the aerobic is the supplemental. So the supplement should not take away from the main focus. Therefore, you need to lift before you do your cardio, if at all possible. If that's not possible, spread them out. Do your cardio early in the morning, train later in the evening, right? So you want either a large amount of time between them or you want the training to happen before the cardio. That way you get the max amount of strength, power output, all that stuff that you can for your training. And that's just kind of the way I look at it. So you, you nailed it. So there's, there's like a twofold problem here. So, so basically, like you mentioned in a perfect world, and especially when you have just that baseline goal, you can split them apart pretty easily because you have, so you don't have as many sessions to be fitting in, in a weekly time frame. But when you then start to want to either add in more sessions of lifting or even add in more sessions of cardio, and especially if you're trying to excel at both of them and make progress at both at the same time, you get into a problem of exactly that. If you try to space them out, you're doing so many that you're going to then overlap into the next workout that's a, a day or two later anyways. And then mm-hmm. you have to look at it as it's not like you have this fatigue that's only from you know uh, cardio and only from lifting. Of course, there's obviously muscular dependent sort of fatigue. But what I mean is you're going to be adding to this. I like to think of it as a big stress bucket, right? And it's like, everything that stress is adding to that, right? Whether it's, you know, life stress, whether it's the cardio, whether it's, so it's like, you have to be thinking of it that way. And like you mentioned, exactly. If you can think of it from the perspective of the the fatigue spike is together because I did, you know, let's say for example, for me, if I'm really pushing it, I'll do an interval session. And then again, it can go back to the goal. But if you're doing both, I would say you actually want to do your lifting first because that's going to have, especially if you're doing just like a zone two or a lower intensity session afterwards, because the lifting is going to have the most glycogen dependency um, between the two, essentially. And and just think about it, right? If you're trying to really hit, you know, if you're a strength athlete, or even if you're trying to just bodybuild, you really want to be focused during that lifting session and really be sharp. And if you go into that, even if you're doing like arms or something, and you do some cardio before, some people I know like it. But it's going to take away a little bit from, you know, maybe those last couple of reps on each of those sets that you would have that maybe isn't there, especially if it's, you know, really, if you're starting to push the mileage, right? If you're doing an hour of cardio and you're running at, you know, even zone two, like your arm workout's going to suffer, even if it's arms. Um, but if that's your main goal is running, then that's okay. Like that, that's, that's totally fine. I, I get it. But from the perspective of trying to excel at both of them, lifting first is is the best way to go. Even if you're going to do this interval session afterwards, again, if you're trying to maximize both of those things. Um, And if you're a runner trying to focus on running, that's, that's going to be very, very different, but you might say, Joe, well, then I'm going to have a a, a decreased performance in my interval session, hundred percent. And that's where it goes back to, like I was just saying, if you need that metric to be on point, because you're literally, you know, a college track athlete or, you know, someone who's focused on that, that specific thing, you need to do that first for sure. And most coaches would agree with you, but if you're a hybrid athlete, you have to, you have to manage that accordingly. And the thing is, 
as a hybrid athlete and it, and it sounds just like kind of like just deal with it, which it kind of is, you will get better. You will adapt just like you do at both of those things mm-hmm. at doing them both. So it's like, you're going to get some, some suffering when you're trying to increase mileage, for example, and it will depend on who you are as a background. So for James, maybe who's done some cardio, cause he played soccer he's maybe going to have an easier time implementing more cardio and becoming a hybrid athlete if he wanted to than maybe someone who has no aerobic training in their background and we're trying to increase that. Or the other way, if you're someone who's a runner and you're like, hey, I want to bodybuild, it's going to have those, you're going to have those predispositions to what you've done the most leading up to where you are now. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's where with the hybrid thing, it's so case by case, but hopefully that makes sense as far as some, some baseline with things um, and where it's like those big sessions, when you're really spiking that fatigue, putting them together and, you know, it's either put together or space them as far as you can. And then it's like, if you're spacing them as far as they can, and then it's basically putting them back together, well, then you probably need to, you probably need to put them together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But any other, any other thoughts on that specific question at all, James, like I just got a few more otherwise, but. Anything else you wanted to mention about that? No, I mean, we could speak in generalities all day, but I feel like it comes down to like each individual case, right? So you got to make that decision on the fly and it might not be the best decision the first time around, right? You have to just see how your body's going to adapt. So you might build this beautiful protocol, you run it for two weeks and realize like, I am just trashed for my third session of the week. You've got to modify it, right? So it's always, it's constantly changing. And it should be because our lives are constantly changing. Yeah. And, and I was kind of alluding to it already, but that's kind of, I mentioned, I keep mentioning those baselines or those foundations, as I like to say, and actually I have a post about it kind of speaking on that. It's like cardio foundation. Um, and then, you know, your, your lifting foundations, if you will. Um, and that would be for like, you know, if I was talking to anyone, a general public, even, you know, my, my, my mom, or, you know, even if it's, you know, someone who's, uh, you know, never lifted in their life, right. For decades, um, that's going to be where we want to be working towards. Um, but I like to think of when it comes to the hybrid side of it, or, you know, both really, whether you're a runner or you're a lifter, you want to think of it almost as like a switch, especially from a hybrid perspective um, or a lever, I guess would be a better way of putting it that you can pull up or down like a dimmer switch. And so sometimes, so for example, you can push that switch a little bit more to the cardio side and vice versa. And so for example, like when I kind of pushed that more to the cardio side, I was doing my marathon training. And so for my marathon training, I was, you know, my, my long runs before the marathon, I, I was hitting like, you know, 15 miles. I think I did 15, 16, 18, and then 20 was my longest before I even ran 26 that day. And so I was spacing those out. You know, there was a prep of, you know, about eight to 10 weeks, um, give or take, you know, specifically. Um, and I ran, was ramping my mileage a lot, lot lower than most people. Um, but, but still, for me, very, very high. So my lifting was almost sometimes at some points down to maybe just one or two sessions, really just to focus on maintaining muscle and staying healthy as healthy as I could going into it. Um, and also running that much mileage, but then now I kind of switched that dimmer back down to the other side. I eased back off of it for a while. I was just focusing on baselines. And now my baselines for my cardio are still pretty much there. I'm pushing it a little bit, but I'm really pushing a little bit more on, like I said, the lifting side of it and pushing that more than I would ever have done during a marathon prep. So that's kind of the best way I can explain it. And like James said, aside from that, it's going to be very interdependent about your lifestyle. Um, and then how we separate all those little minutia details of the workouts. Um, 
and also just based on where you're at because again if you come come you know to work with us with like a background of you know a ton of cardio you ran track in college or something there's going to be a lot more fun we can have with the cardio side and if you've never lifted Mm -hmm. it's like then we're going to have to negotiate that accordingly but each you know each modality is interdependent where you know we want to excel at both of them and meet you where you are at both of them i think that's the biggest thing so um yeah but uh, other than that james is there anything you kind of want to leave with everyone kind of some take home points anything else you wanted to mention um otherwise i think this is this is good this is really solid yeah no i i think my big public service announcement and i think you're seeing it come across more in the bodybuilding especially the evidence side of things Um, There was this huge fear of cardio killing your gains, cardio completely like stripping you down where you're going to look like a marathon runner in four weeks if you do cardio. The effect size of the catabolism of cardio is very minor when you compare to all the anabolic things you're doing as a bodybuilder, the food frequency, the training stimulus, the rest, all those things are anabolic, right? So the small amount of cardio that you're doing to stay healthy is not going to impede your gains. And if anything, I hope we prove with this podcast that it might actually benefit you in certain situations, right? So there shouldn't be a fear of especially low intensity cardio or moderate intensity cardio. There might be a time and a place where high intensity is probably not the most beneficial, i.e. like a prep, but in your off season, when you're well-fed, rested, and you're training hard, you're not going to lose muscle by doing any sort of cardio so long as you're not taking it to the extreme and being that hybrid athlete where we know some things will have to be sacrificed. But if you're staying in that bodybuilder lane, I think it can only help you to add a little bit in just for general health and for performance. Exactly. And that's and then the other component, which we'll probably get into maybe in another full podcast, especially when it comes to the hybrid side of it, but that's nutrition. Because a lot of people might be wondering hybrid-wise, like nutritionally, like, it actually, you know, for, for someone who isn't a competitor where that's their main goal, there's a case to be made. Well, the hybrid side of things, it actually, you, you, you have to, if you, if you don't eat a ton of food, you're going to, you're going to have a performance fall off and you're not going to be recovered. Um, so it's like, if you want to be able to eat just a, just an ungodly amount of food, try to push both of them at the same time, because that will allow that for sure. And if you have the time to be able to do that, because that's, the other big component when, when it comes to the hybrid side of it, because we talk, we can talk about fatigue and keeping them all together and all that, but it has to work around your life and what you're doing in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but we'll definitely get into another side when it comes to nutrition, especially with the hybrid um, component, because yeah, it really becomes an eating fest at that point, because you are just expending so many calories when you're trying to push the mileage um, or push the, the level, the number of hours of cardio weekly um, as well as keeping sessions really high and trying to maintain muscle mass. But like you mentioned, I've proved it to myself, especially during the pandemic. I was only lifting maybe one to two times a week, and I was sure that I was going to just wither away. And that's when I started liking cardio. And for me, I was the same way as you. You know, we both we did the podcast back in the day. You know, we had that bodybuilder mentality, and I had I had it for a really long time. And then I kind of flipped my my own view on it, where I did it for my health at the beginning, and then I was like, oh, this actually helps my mental state a lot more than and and for me, that's one of the biggest things that it helps me, especially during. Um, so I definitely, you know, I came around on it a little bit, but I definitely recommend, and I know like Connor mentioned it during his off season and, and, you know, there's different times where it's just fun to maybe do something different and kind of challenge yourself a little bit, um, you know, and, and just kind of, you know, if it's going to have a benefit in multiple ways, 
to your goal, you know, why not try it at least? So, um, but yeah, but no, I think this is great. And um, if you guys have any other questions on this topic or any other specific things you want to see branched off of this, definitely let us know. But otherwise, um, check out the website. If you guys have any questions for us, um, you can get in contact with, with us there. You can sign up for a free discovery call. Um, all of our information about our different coaching packages are on there. Our new team membership is on there for just $20 per month. You can join Team ATP, um, get access to uh, a library of pre-built programs, get access to our community. Um, and that's like our baseline. And then it kind of works up from there. So you can take a look at all that. We're super transparent. Um, and just shoot us a message if you guys have any questions. Again, we're uh, we're happy to help and happy just to talk and see if we're a good fit to work with you guys. So for James um, and for Team ATP, we will talk to you guys next time. Again, Happy New Year to everyone. And uh, yeah, please subscribe if you haven't already. Um, and um, we will talk to you guys in the next one. Take it easy, everyone.